Hello, and welcome to another episode of Through the Eyes of Trauma with me, Dr. Smith. This week, we're going to replay an episode titled Mental Health in the School System. And the reason why I wanted to replay this episode is because this week we have endured three school shootings, one with a fatality in Arlington, Texas, one with an injury in Dallas, Texas, and then in Denver, Colorado, where the shooter actually took his own life and he was a student. And so I wanted you to hear just the conversation and the discussion that I had with Mika Baldwin, who is a coordinator in the school system and who works at the central office on just on how students and schools should have mental health supports in schools. Because per the CDC, almost half of the nation's children have experienced at least one or more type of serious childhood trauma. And 57% of teen girls feel sad and hopeless with 29% of teen boys reporting feeling the same way. And so when students are not taught how to process big emotions with the tools and strategies to self-regulate, this is the response, right? The response is school shootings, peer stabbings, and students with high doses of anxiety and depression. And so we have got to provide a safe space in the school system. We are in a mental health crisis where children are hurting, teachers are in despair, administrators are reeling, There is absolute trauma in schools. And so what are we going to do about it? So I want you to sit back, listen to this episode that we had last season on mental health in the school system, and just see how can we support these children, these students, these parents, these teachers through this trauma that we're experiencing in the school system. So take a listen and just let me know your thoughts. Please like, share, subscribe, and review. And then have a great day. Welcome to Through the Eyes of Trauma, an inner ear agency production, where we engage in discussions regarding the impact that childhood trauma has on education, life, and living. This podcast seeks to help listeners realize the widespread impact of trauma, recognize how it is impacting the students, adults, and families, respond in a way that facilitates healing, and to actively resist re-traumatization. Join us as we tackle the hard conversations, but give tools and strategies to help you cope and begin your journey towards regulation by healing first and educating always. To receive professional development, consulting, and childhood trauma intervention services, please visit us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma with me, Dr. Smith. Today, our topic is mental health in the school system. Our essential question is, how evident is the need for mental health supports in the school system, and what are we going to do about it? This episode seeks to bring awareness to the need for mental health supports in schools. Our special guest is Mika Bowen, who is a district specialist. Welcome, Mika Bowen. Good afternoon, Dr. Smith. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your, I know, busy schedule to uh, to join us here to have this conversation. So can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, ma'am. I am in my, I'm so young, but it's it's hard to believe I'm in my 14th year in education and I've worked from teacher to instructional coach to AP intern to now a district math specialist. 
So I've held a few positions and been able to help teachers in many different ways. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure in your 14 years. Um, so can you tell us like what got you coming into the field of education? It's funny because I was not supposed to be in education. I started off in insurance, believe it or not. I wanted to be an agent. So making sure that I came into something, I was focused on, you know, making the big bucks, Dr. Smith. In education, sometimes you don't see those big bucks. So I wanted to be a State Farm agent. And that's what my uh, background is in. That's what I graduated from college with, marketing and insurance for my two majors. So um, I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. And I knew several educators in my circle. They mm -hmm. loved it. They loved it. So I was like, maybe I should give this a try. And if I'm good at it, I'll stick to it. And mm -hmm. if I'm not, I'll go back to insurance. And I'm still here 14 years later. That means you're good at it. And I'm sure, okay. you know, the people that you encounter on a daily basis are blessed to have you because people like you are needed in this field, right? Education is, and I say it all the time, it's a, a tough job, but it's a hard job. You know, it's a job of the heart. And I think you have to have a heart for, for people, for education, and for just the foolishness that, you know, educators put up with. Um, on today to be able to stay, especially 14 years um, in this field. And so that kind of alludes to what we're talking about today with, you know, just the things that that are needed in the in the education system today, especially regarding mental health. And so I want to read a quote that says, there is always a human need or undeveloped skill behind a frustrating behavior. And that is by Angela Pruitt. And I thought that was befitting because last, you know, last week we talked about um, how behavior is communication. And so I think this quote says that there's a human need or undeveloped skill behind a frustrating behavior. Right now, people in education are frustrated, right? Very, very. They're extremely frustrated. And I saw um, some statistics that say one out of four high school students struggle with depression um, teen girls twice as likely as boys to report feeling depressed or have anxiety. That's a lot. Think about the number of students that we have in high schools and not even in high school, but now it's, it's becoming more prevalent in the middle school area and even in elementary where students are depressed or they're anxious or they show some signs of mental health challenges. And we're not we're not prepared to deal with that. Right. But there's clearly a need. There's clearly an undeveloped skill that's happening in the school districts and you know obviously like we talked about the high level of frustration in the school system today stems from something so what would you say is why you know a lot of people who are in education are frustrated i think a lot of people that are in education are frustrated it's simple i don't feel like we're appreciated i don't feel like we're heard i don't feel like we're seen and you know during the pandemic we were the heroes you know um, educators were, you know, praised and, you know, everybody wanted to, you know, be around us and support us. Now it's different. So um, being in education now, you just feel like, you know, as we're trying to bounce back from what happened during COVID, you don't feel the support coming from your parents or the state. I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I've been speaking with a lot of educators, a lot of teachers, 
on just the complaints that they've had and the sentiments really remain the same, right? It's, it's the lack of appreciation, the lack of support. But another one that really, you know, that really resonates with me is that student, they say student behavior is out of control. You know, student behavior oh is out gosh. of control. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yet the consequences and the administrative support is all but non-existent. And so, and I understand that before I left the school system, um, we had, I had a student at the school who brought a knife to school. Now this is elementary. He brought a knife to school and put it up to another student's throat. Now listen, if that were my child, I would be extremely upset. Not just if my child was the one who had the knife put up to his throat, but just the other, the other student. Right. And so this was called into the district, but because the knife wasn't a certain length, you know, there was, they said there was nothing that they could do about it. We just need to either give them another room to go to, to cool off, but then send the, the child back to class. Now that is not acceptable to me in the role that I was in, let alone the teacher or the parent, you know? And so the parent was upset and was like, why is the child still in, in the school? And, and this, and I said, you've got to go to the central office to talk to them because our hands here are tied, you know? And that's a lot of times because of the new things that they have, like we have the restorative rooms and things like that. And so now suspension is not available. You're not allowed to suspend kids. Um, in certain districts, like like in the past times, and I get all of that. I, I get that there's there's ways because if a child has done something to where they need to be suspended, then there has to be a skill attached to that. You know, someone something has to be taught to them, a skill that they're lacking for them to do this behavior. Not just you go home and sit at home because to them it's like a privilege, it's like a reward. And I think I think you're totally right because sometimes as teachers, if something like, like that mm -hmm. happens in your class, guess what? Everybody is traumatized including the teacher. Absolutely. So who's, who's going to help? And sending a child home may not be the answer, but something has to be done. So right. we know, so other students know we can't get away a with it. A message has to be it's sent. A message right? that has to be sent. Right, and because if you come right back to the classroom, the kid's like, oh, we can bring Niles and just come right back to class. That's exactly right. And I think that's the message that we're sending to, to not only the student who's doing it, but the ones who are, um, who have witnessed this, right? But think about the the lack of of, of appeared safety for the yeah. children who are in the room. And if you don't feel safe in that space, how are you going to learn? Right. And so we have to make sure that we provide these environments for kids where they feel supported, where they feel safe and and not even just the kids for the teachers. And if we're not providing that for them, of course, there's going to be frustration and there's going to be, you know, this feeling like, why am I here? Why am I putting myself in danger and I'm not getting the support that I need? And so that's why I really want us to have this discussion about like, what is it that we can do in the school system? Or what do you think the school system should do to support the mental health of the kids and the teachers? Well, I, I don't think we've been educating the whole child for a long time. Mm -hmm. Meaning just because a child knows math, science, social studies, and reading doesn't mean that's the only thing they should know. So I don't think we're teaching our children or our students how to handle, um, you know, what they're going through growing up, like social media and bullying and different types of things that they go through. Um, they don't know how to handle that. So they mm -hmm. come to our classrooms and show out and they come to our uh, school in our different functions and, you know, act up and act out, mm -hmm. I should say. And 
we're not trained, I don't think, as educators, well, the teachers and people even in administrative positions that I'm in, mm -hmm. we're not trained to handle that, I don't think. We don't spend mm -hmm. enough time educating ourselves on how to educate children on how in their behavior. And I think that's, that's a missing link. Absolutely. I understand that. Uh, one of the guests that we had last week said that children will go to the extreme with their behavior if you haven't listened to the words. And, you know, that resonated with me because I think about the kids who are being cyberbullied, right? Or different things are going on. They're being talked about. They're being bullied at school and they say something. And especially in the elementary realm, it's like, stop tattletelling. Go sit down. You know, it's it's these types of, of, of words that teachers are saying, because that's what, you know, when you think about it, that's what we just do, what we've either, either seen or been taught. And so back in this, you know, school, center, we got to get to this lesson. Stop telling like this. If you're not on fire, if you're not dying, you know, saying, don't tell me, don't talk about it. But this is the thing that's hurting our kids, because we have to give them space to be able to say what's bothering them, to be able to identify their feelings and their emotions and say, this is bothering me. I feel this way. And we have to listen. Because if we don't, then we're going to have those kids who come to school and express these behaviors in unfavorable ways. But it's because we didn't listen to them when they tried to tell us with their words. Right. And so I don't think, like you said, that we're equipped to handle like I'm being cyber bullied, you know, and, and a student comes and tells you that really what, what do we do about that? What can I as a teacher do about you being cyber bullied? without the proper training, without the tools, without the strategies, you know? And I think we're doing teachers a disservice because we're putting them in the ring, but we're not giving them the tools and strategies to fight fair. We're not even giving them a, a chance. You know, we mm -hmm. like you said, we're putting them in the ring, but we didn't give them any gloves or anything to protect themselves as they're in the ring, you know, because mm -hmm. teachers are being challenged every day with this type of behavior. And Absolutely. I know this, and, you know, I know we're talking about educators because we're educators, but I think the missing link is our parents. So mm -hmm. when you do talk to, um, if you're, if you do have that relationship with your child, of course, you want them to talk to you. And then as a parent, I need to be able to go to that teacher. And if that teacher doesn't do anything, I need to be able to go to that administration, the school administration and the school administration doesn't do anything. I need to go to central administration. And a lot mm -hmm. of our parents don't know those steps. We just happen to, to know them because we've been in the, in the education system for a while. But I don't right. think our, I think our parents, we educate not only teachers, but our parents on how to handle that kind of stuff. You know, when our kids come home and they've they've been bullied or they've been, uh, like you said, uh, they're expressing some different type of behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I think the parents are the missing links in order to help our teachers do, you know, do what they need to do in the classroom. I totally agree. Um, you know, we hear about creating safe and supportive schools, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's talking about, you know. We need to create safe and supportive schools. But a lot of times we hear that to help students achieve these positive outcomes, we have to have a, a supportive and a safe culture. What does that look like, though? It's, it's great to say, and like you said, you know, I don't think we've been um, educating the whole child for a while. I think these are taglines, right? These, these, we're gonna, um, we're gonna have safe and supportive school cultures. We're gonna educate the whole child. I think these are a lot of times taglines with empty meanings, right? Because what does that look like? I have not seen that put it to practice yet. And so for these educators out here, what, what would you say that looks like? 
again, I haven't, I think they're, like you said, they're taglines. I haven't really seen them um, be put into place successfully. So mm -hmm. in my opinion, that's, you know, being able for a child to come to a place where, you know, if they are being bullied, it's, a, you know, they're free to speak about it. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of classes are in place? Are you doing social and emotional learning in the mornings or how you, uh, how t are kids able to articulate what that means to be, have social emotional learning? So mm -hmm. what does that look like? What are the students learning from that? And I think that looks like teachers being able to, um, I think that looks like having counselors on every campus. We don't put our money where our mouth is. Mm -hmm. So having counselors on every campus. Um, like I said earlier, educating the whole child. So if uh, if I'm going through this situation, this is how I should handle it. Mm -hmm. um, having, you know, just teachers, building relationships with those students so they do trust you when they are going through something like that and will come to you. Right. So school is extremely hard to get through anyway, right? Correct. But especially when you're dealing with mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we have to give students and teachers um, access to, like you said, to mental health supports in the form of trauma coaches. You know, we have instructional coaches that exactly. help teachers to, to be able to provide effective lessons for, you know, math for academics. Mm -hmm. But why not have trauma mm -hmm. coaches, right? We need coaches to be able to, to help teachers and support teachers when they're trying to deal with a student who has mental health issues and or exhibits mental health issues, but not has or hasn't been diagnosed, but also to be able to get through that and get the healing started, but also learn, right? We need more mental health professionals in schools. Like you said, the, the counselors, but a lot of times counselors' jobs are so, you know, they have so many different moving parts yeah. to them that yeah. it doesn't really provide them or lend itself to just strictly focusing on mental health issues. You know, they have just different, um, I know in our school, we, they had different initiatives and different programs that they had to do. And so it didn't really lend themselves outside of guidance lessons that and, talk about character traits. And you know and what I'm saying? Sometimes those counselors are not trained in that. So you need specific, Absolutely. intentional, targeted counselors. Absolutely. Or school psychologists, you yes. know, a school psychologist in the building to be able to be an extra layer of support yep. for the counselor. Um, mental health days for teachers. Teachers need mental health days so that they and that that they're not docked for. You know what I mean? I think this should be a part of the support for teachers. They need mental mm -hmm. health days. And then just more to say that out loud too. Absolutely. That I need a mental health day. I need a mental health day and not be looked at. Um, exactly. You know what I'm saying? In a way that is like, really, this you signed up exactly. for this. No, exactly. we didn't sign up for this, right? And then I think just more access to mental health tools and strategies. We have to give them access to those things because if not, we are doing teachers, we're doing the students a disservice. We give them access to tools and resources sometimes, some schools, depending on where you are, for them to be able to, to give effective lessons. A lot of times we have to purchase our own stuff, but we give them those things. Why not give them access to mental health um, tools and supports. Exactly. I don't think we um, we make it. We're not intentional. That's the word I'm looking for. We're not intentional when it comes to mental health. We may talk mm -hmm. about it at the beginning of school year for an hour in a PD and then we never see it again. So when we're hit with these different situations, we really don't know how to handle that. I agree. I absolutely agree. We have to identify, manage um, and mitigate students mental health issues before they escalate.
I think that that really is my goal with the inner ear agency, you know, to be able to identify students predisposition to mental health issues um, by analyzing the amount of adverse childhood experiences that they've been exposed to. Um, we have to intervene on the student's behalf based on their needs. We have to respond to intervention, you know, in a mental sense. So just like we RTI, we respond to intervention um, as far as their academics. We've got to do that as far as their mental state as well. Right. Um, track the interventions that work best for that student and then have that be a part of their record, right? A part of their academic record. So future teachers know what best works for this student, what's, what's the best way to engage with them or the things, not necessarily the specific things that they've been exposed to, but just giving them a sense of as, like the number of ACEs. Because, you know, if a student has four or more ACEs, they're 32 times more likely to have a mental health challenge or to have a behavior challenge. So knowing that or having that information in a student's record that they've been exposed to six ACEs, well, right. you know, now I need to look, be on the lookout just in case they need extra support academically, in case they need extra support, you know, as far as their behavior, because they've had all of these exposures. Now, that doesn't mean that the child is going to have these problems, right? Because there are a lot of kids who have been exposed to the same types of things, but their resilience is, is stronger. You know what I'm saying? They're able to bounce back to where it does not necessarily affect them in their school, in their everyday school life. But this to me lends itself to co-regulation, right? Being able to, to regulate with a group or with teachers and co-regulation um, leads to self-regulation. Yep. It's self-regulation. If we're able to, to have these opportunities for students to co-regulate in their classroom with their teachers and with the people that support them, it will lend itself to them being able to regulate themselves when it comes to an emotional, you know, uprising or emotional, um, they're in a hypervigilant state. So, you know, as we talked about last week with behavior being communication, it's interesting that the symptoms of tantrums and melt meltdowns mirror each other. Right. Mm -hmm. So when a student has and so I, I, I'm assuming this is more in the elementary realm, when a student has a tantrum, mm -hmm. you know, the, those tantrums are controlled. They're purposeful. They may be frustrated at times, but they're aware. Right. Yes. Of what they're doing. Yes. And it's communicative. So they're communicating to you that I'm dissatisfied with something, either yes. something that was done, something that wasn't done, something that I need and I didn't receive. But then meltdowns and a lot of times meltdowns happen, you know, elementary through high school listen through teachers because we'll have right but those times when people are having meltdowns they're dysregulated right they're emotional they could be overwhelmed and they're not they're not necessarily aware right mm -hmm. of what's going on they're unaware because now they're they have been hijacked they have been mentally hijacked by the emotion mm -hmm. um and sometimes they become unresponsive and so after the fact they cannot talk to you because right cognition has flown away when they're in this hypervigilant right. state and so you're telling them you need to calm down you need to think that's the number one that is the worst thing you could tell a person Even who is an adult to i don't want to hear that Yes. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you just got to let them make it, you know, and just support them and move them out of the, the areas until they calm down to, to be able to think about, you know, what happened. But the tantrums and meltdowns, they mirror each other. Right. Mm -hmm. The things that they have in common is like you're irrational at that time. You cannot think. Right. right. You're, you feel misunderstood. It's exhausting. But oh it's God. communicating. Both of them are communicating lack of some type of skill. Right. Is signaling a need. And so my question is, are we listening? This is what's happening from pre-K to, to senior year and even higher ed, higher education. 
this is what's happening. People are signaling that there is a need. You know what I'm saying? There is a lack of skill somewhere and we're not feeling that need. We all, we are only concerned in the in the academic uh, world with academics. You know what I'm saying? We're we're concerned on if you know a skill, if you've been taught the skill well, if you have been assessed on that skill and you can provide us with the information that tells us you've learned that skill, why not do that with mental health as well? It has to be twofold. Because we don't we don't make money off of that. You better you better speak about it. <laughs> we don't make money out of it. So uh, we make money from test scores and all that good stuff. So if we don't, if we're worried about educating the child, we're just get, I mean, the whole child, that means we invest instead of having somebody invest in us. So I think that's where we are not willing to listen only because, you know, there's no money in that. We have to spend money. Um and like you said, we're not we're not listening because it, uh, I, one of the things I really hate to hear people say is they're just bad. No child is mm -hmm. just bad. No child wants to sit around and be bad. They want to um, their you know that behavior is for attention. And a lot of a lot of students they'll have they'll take negative attention over no attention. Mm -hmm. So when they're acting negatively daily or they're throwing tantrums or having meltdowns daily and we're not doing anything we're, we've done that child a disservice because we should know better wow that is so true that is so true we have students in the school system daily that are angry oh you know they're sad that are aggressive um, frustrated they cry they yell they kick they hide so that they're in that fight or flight or freeze scenario they indulge in manipulative behaviors. They lose control of their emotions and teachers as well, right? There's misbehavior going on and students are just downright disrespectful right now. But these are the behaviors that are communicating to the school system that something has to be done. And I think right now the ball is in our court. The kids are showing us the ball is in our court. So what are we going to do about it? You know what I mean? And I keep saying, what are we going to do about it? Because the signs are there. The writing is on the wall. The proof is in the pudding. All of those things, right? The kids are telling us. This, yeah. this, this generation of children, these teachers are frustrated. Every teacher yeah. I talk to is like, Every. oh, these kids are out of control. Every. They're out of control. When I went to speak um, in legislation a couple months ago, there were other teachers there that we were able to, you know, to dialogue with. And we're talking about just the things that's going on in the school system right now. And every single teacher was like, these kids are out of control. This pandemic has caused them to be oh my gosh, you know, yeah. extra aggressive. And I think it's because it's a buildup. Mm -hmm. had no way of expressing themselves before because they were at home. You know, mm -hmm. and a lot of times parents are like, be seen and not heard. Sit down, shut up. Get out of here. You know what I mean? The, they lost their release for a year, for a yeah. couple of years. Because a lot of times school is where they come and they feel safe and Absolutely. they're able to release. But they weren't able to do that. Absolutely. And now it's not even seen as a safe space anymore no, because right. of the school shootings. and things. It's just so much on the plate. And I hear what you're saying when you say, you know, are investing in the mental health supports in the, in the campuses is us spending the money mm -hmm. as opposed to us receiving the money. Right. But sometimes investments up front, you know what I mean? Up front, you have to, yes, you're going to have to pour in and, and it's going to drain you up front. 
but the outcome, yes, I think is what's going to be the difference. And I think if we continue to invest in our school systems, invest in our kids' mental health, invest in our teachers' mental health, they wouldn't have to ha- pay all of these things for us to have teacher task force to try to keep teachers on. You know what I mean? If yeah. you invest up front, you won't have to do things like this. And I think right now we're in dire straits because we did not invest up front. It, well, it just, it's just funny to me how it's an incident or a big shooting or something that has to occur. Mm-hmm. And we'll, you know, we'll get on it for six months. We'll just, you know, we're honed in on making sure that, you know, schools are safe and people have mental health days. And, mm-hmm. and then it just fades away. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's not anything that we're passionate about and that we really are something that's something that's important to us. So to me, if it's not about math, science, reading, social studies, we kind of, you know, let it drop to the wayside. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, I, I just really think it's important to remember that comprehensive school mental health services are essential. You know, it's essential to creating and sustaining safe schools. And if we don't give increased access to mental health services in schools, I think like you said, we're doing a disservice. It's vital to improving the physical and the psychological safety of our students and our teachers, um, as well as their academic performance and problem-solving skills. I think it will help that. It will support their academic skills when they're mentally taken care of, when they're mentally supported. It will support their problem-solving skills, you know, and so they don't resort to just fighting or aggression when they're upset, but they can actually sit and have a conversation you know what I'm saying, with people about things that they don't agree with. And I think that is a part of it. We have to support them, like you said, the whole child. We have to support them mentally. We have to support them physically. We have to support them academically. And that is when I think our outcomes will come. I think exactly. that is when success will be had. We have to get them ready for the real world. That and part. the real world is just not the four subject areas. It's how do, how do they collaborate? How do they function in the workplace? How do they mentally handle things? How do they handle coworkers that may bother them? So I think as a school system, we just we have to also incorporate that into our everyday um, lessons. Yes. While it may be hard, like you said, but it's, it's a total investment. But I think in the long run, we'll see. We'll see it. You know, you'll it'll trickle down. It'll trickle down to your uh, junior highs and elementary. But I think you start. Uh, I think you start with your elementary because we wait so long. You know, if we wait till they're in high school, we've missed those vital years on how to. Yes, exactly. So, I want to close with the, if you could leave the school system with food for thought, right? Mm-hmm. What would your final thoughts be? What would your food for thought for the school systems that you've worked in, the school system that you're currently in, the ones that are listening? What would you what would you leave them with? To keep it short, I would say mental health is not a dirty word. Mm-hmm. So invest in your teachers, invest in your students, um, be vigilant when it comes to mental health, because people a lot of people say something before they do something. So um, just, I think, putting more time into your people, whether it's students or teachers, is vital. And it, it's an investment that we all need to make. That's good. Those are my final thoughts. And with that, I'll leave you with the teaching through the eyes of trauma takeaways. Number one, early mental health prevention and intervention is key. So make that happen, schools. 
Number two, provide initiatives and programs that help students and staff build skills related to managing emotions, establishing and maintaining positive relationships, and responsible decision-making. Number three, grief-informed and trauma-informed practices must be a part of your school culture. And number four, the school system must provide ways to heal first, educate always. If your school or school system is looking for ways to provide trauma-informed and resilience-focused practices, please reach out to us at innerearagency.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-E-A-R-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. Thank you so much, Mika Bawa, for joining us today at Teaching Through the Eyes of Trauma. Um, I really appreciate the things that you have said, the things that we've talked about, and I really appreciate your candidness with us about the things that the school system needs to be able to support uh, mental health in schools. Dr. Smith, thank you for having me. It was a good conversation. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week.